0: This is the I'm Stuff podcast, a podcast about eating disorders, disordered eating, body image and mental health. I'm your host, Queenie June Borgman, and today's episode, episode 18 of season 5, I'm talking with Jake from Nutrition Longevity, a dietitian of Australia, and we're having in this episode a discussion about eating disorders, so Enjoy. Okay guys, before we jump into this episode, a little shout out and a little shout out to the guest, of course, because Jake is in this episode. Jake has been on the podcast before and now we're having this, you know, discussion as two people that work with people with eating disorders and it's very interesting. So by all means, listen to this podcast to the end, definitely because we're talking about hormones, but Jake also has been here before about having cancer and an eating disorder so if you are curious to that one scroll back into the list because you can see that as well i'm going to repeat his instagram before we start out and that is at nutrition longevity um I think it's a very, very cool guest to have as always. Uh, and I'm very grateful for his patience. Because as you know, as the people listen to the podcast every Monday. Um, it was just too hectic and too draining the month September for me to just sit down and be busy with my socials. It was everywhere. And that's why every time I was, you know, trying to edit it. I need to send Jake out a message with Jake. Sorry, it's it's going to be later. Uh, so from the bottom of my heart thank you so much jake for your patience and as well for the listeners and i promise next week every monday how you're used to it we will have new episodes and um, next week we'll be with Meryl van Schneller Kwetsbaar and that's for the dutchies maybe they know they her more and it will be about her story and regarding to autism and other things so if you're curious for that stay tuned for that if you're curious to the story of jake You know, find that in in the, the list that we have here at I'm Stuff Eating Disorder Podcast. And if you're curious on how two medical experience experts actually think about eating disorders and what happens and what is needed, listen to this one, guys. Enjoy. Welcome back to a new episode. And in season five, we are diving more into the psychology of eating disorders. And we have numerous guests for the last five episodes. And one of these guests is someone you already maybe know from the previous season. And that is Jake Biggs. Jake had an eating disorder and had to battle cancer back in the day. what I still find is one of the most challenging forms that I've seen out there. Um, and he actually came back, thank you for that, Jake, to have a little bit of a professional discussions, you know, about eating disorders. And in this case, what the biggest problem for people with eating disorders, Uh, are when it comes down to the nutrition part. So, Jake, thank you for being back again. No,
1: thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure.
0: And I think this is, you know, normally I I think all of the the people listening to this uh, podcast uh, know that normally I have uh, either we do it freestyle and I have questions for one person that is being interviewed or we have like, you know, questions that I send out up front. But now it really is. Uh, you know, two professionals discussing a topic and the people with an eating disorder or other professionals or maybe experienced experts that can listen to this basically discussion, I would almost say. Um, And like I just stated, uh, what is the biggest problem for people with eating disorders when it comes down to nutrition? And I would like you to kick off uh, what you Mm. think that it would maybe be.
1: Sure. I mean, in my experience with my severe anorexia nervosa, the nutrition component, there was a direct link that happened to that from the malnutrition. Mm -hmm. So someone, I had preconceived ideas on nutrition, but I noticed that when I was um, emaciated and when I was severely underweight, my cognitive function in for me to even understand nutrition was really suboptimal. So I think it's really important when anyone asks me about nutrition for eating disorders to really understand that when someone is underweight, severely or mildly, it's going to affect their decision behaviours and their cognition Mm -hmm. with nutrition. So I think the most critical thing to understand is that when someone is in the midst of their anorexia, their ability to cope with nutrition changes and to understand nutrition is really, really low. So that's where it comes in the place of really understanding the importance, even though it's obviously very hard for a patient who has anorexia or an eating disorder to understand the critical importance of getting your weight in a healthy weight range. Yeah. Once you can get your weight in a healthy weight range, it means that your psychology can function normally when someone is underweight your nutritional guidance understanding is not going to be there so I think that's the first thing to really understand on my side of things from my personal when I'm looking back at it now was how important it is to get your healthy weight and once if you are below your healthy weight your ability to your eating disorder voice will be inside you saying that some very clear ones I had was being on a low-fat diet, mm-hmm. um, fat was evil, carbohydrates was very low, and I think the main one was just suppressing how much energy, how much food caloric intake you are having. So, I think that was the biggest things that I was finding that I had a voice inside me or that I was mm-hmm. wanting to do these things. But actually, it was interesting because I've always been into health, and I've always been into nutrition even before that. And I knew like what was healthy versus unhealthy. I knew that having a fruit and that those sort of foods were healthy. But then the anorexia came on board, and then totally skewed that. So I think that's the sort of the first thing to understand. And I think it's also really. Um, carefully to needing to understand that it's really important when looking back at it now that you try to really understand and get help in that part if you are underweight and knowing that your cognition is not going to be there the importance of having trust in the health professional yeah from a nutritional point of view to assist with that Definitely. so i think it's a really i think it's a really missing link at that where trust is critical for eating disorder recovery and you need to be able to find trust with someone who can sort of guide you through that
0: yeah definitely i think when i look back um at you know the part of malnutrition uh because Mm. um you're in basically survival mode um yeah a lot of logical thinking goes out of the door because The primary needs should be fulfilled uh, and that can give extreme hunger. Um, It can do something with your perception as well. Um, I know Mm -hmm. that back in the day when I was severely malnourished that I would look to people or look to myself and that is a little bit of body dysmorphia part. Uh, One moment Mm -hmm. I would be full. Or another person, yeah, would be in my perspective heavy, and then the other moment they would be skinnier. And that is the only way that that is actually exists thing is because my mm-hmm. mind couldn't function because there were two less nutrients and two less, you know, uh, adipose tissue, so fat tissue. So the right exactly. hormones weren't there to, you know, make me function well. I think at the end yeah. of the day, it should almost be seen as a scale. The moment that mm. the you know, the part of the scale is heavier for the eating disorder, then it's in control. The moment the other healthy part gets heavier, then that is in control. And it it, it really feels counterintuitive because the moment we're asking to people that need to gain weight or need to eat more Mm. healthier, uh, healthier, Mm. as in a way, more nutritious, that could also be uh, foods that aren't, you know, seen as nutritious by society, for example, Snickers, stuff like that, fear foods. Um, yes. Sometimes that is also needed to help, you know, your mental health. How how would I say this sure. better? Um, you have yeah. the part that people are really underweight and then you have the part that people are malnourished, but on a good weight, but they're malnourished mm. because they're skipping fats or they're skipping, mm. you know, processed food. And it sounds crazy, but in somewhat matter, your body and your mind mm. needs. Those foods as well to be yep. nourished again. So the moment we ask people, as dietitians or other healthcare uh, professionals, mm. to, uh, uh, to a to person with an eating disorder, please, you know, go and consume that, we're triggering yep. that anxiety. And exactly. I think one of the most biggest problems, in my opinion, nutrition wise, uh, or that we even have problems with nutrition as a person uh, that has an eating disorder, is because they're before the nutrition part there's a lot of shit going on basically so um, i did a reel yesterday on that on how maybe there's um, trauma uh, maybe there's bad parenting maybe maybe there's a you know a part of control that you really would like to have because you cannot have it on other areas of your life it could be your part of self-worth that is uh, questionable, you do not know your concept you have self-doubt, yeah. all of those things eventually can lead that we are playing with food, eventually mm. end in that not so nutritious state, either being on a healthy weight or underweight. And that is how that whole vicious cycle go on.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also really important to understand that the biggest fear when I speak to people with eating disorders, specifically anorexia nervosa, mm-hmm. is always gaining weight. Yep. They do not want to gain weight and terrible things are going to happen when they gain weight. And no amount of discussion I could have with the um, people in the units would ever change their mind. I couldn't say anything else. They would look at themselves. Everyone would come across and you look, you're, you're starved. Yeah, but but they wouldn't do that.
0: You cannot bring a healthy perspective to an unhealthy mind. It's not exactly it's...
1: it's not possible. So the question is what do you do then? What do you do with someone like that? And I think a huge missing link um, I don't um, Unfortunately, I have fortunately I haven't been in hospital for many years now But one of the biggest missing links that I found when looking back on it now was the lack of education So in that time, I understand that someone's malnourished, they're not being able to take on a lot of information, Mm -hmm. but even just like very basic guided education from a nutrition point of view, but I think also what would be amazing when doing anorexia, nervosa, eating disorder recovery is goal setting. Mm-hmm. Goal setting. I'm, I'm kinda, what is someone,
0: I need yeah. to jump there because if you say lack of education, do you mean education in yes. general of a person or do you mean education no. about food?
1: I'm talking about education specifically about what the fees are for that patient. Mm -hmm. so the fears of food being that patient and I wasn't given any education based on why I should be having that food how why should I be put in why should I be gaining weight why I should do all those things I was just told what I should do right yeah. yeah so I think it would be a really important thing in the recovery process is two things number one being education that's basic understanding that when somebody's malnourished their ability to assimilate, take on information is very suboptimal, but that doesn't mean you can do, you can't do, you can do anything. It could be sort of informational handouts if you, they're not able to cognitive it on board. But even that, as, a, as I'm a nutritionist now, and even when I look back at it now, like how amazing would that be if you could sit down with someone and say, look, what are your goals are in life? And they could list off whatever goals that they have and explaining them, if you want to reach those goals, look where your health is currently at and sort of work sort of not like in a very deep like career coach way. But I think people what I found is that when I was in the midst of my anorexia, when I started to realize what my life could be out there and what it is now, that was a really big turning point for me. So that because I was so sick and in and out of hospital. So from a nutrition point of view, I think that coincides with what you do, Queenie, in the sense from the coaching side.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, um, we need to um, educate the person why you are doing what you're doing, and although we cannot mm-hmm. always, you know, click because of, depending on in which state the person is it's still something mm-hmm. we need to do so they can either profit from it then or maybe later on. I do think so however because we are external from a person with an eating disorder that we can mm-hmm. only do as for example keeping a nutritional state uh stable or you know giving mm-hmm. informations or maybe some you know um activities to make sure that the person is busy with it in a healthy way but yeah Personally speaking, because I was stubborn as hell, there could be like mm. hundred people telling me what to do, but I wouldn't do sure, it sure. until yeah, that, you know it would click for me. And I still think that that one, we need to give them, give the people, you know, with eating disorders as much insight as possible. Mm. So at some point yep. it clicks and they yep. actively pursue recovery or you know some type of change that is to the better for them because. If there's one thing yeah. that I've seen with talking with all these clients, if I cannot mm. get through, I could you know even, even if I would like call a profit and they they would explain it, they still wouldn't you know would say I'm not gonna listen to this. So that yeah, click that you know missing link that they get it. Uh, we need to facilitate as much as possible that there's some way that we explain it that that they get it, and sometimes. Yeah, that- It is at that moment that they see us sometimes is a half year later and then they get it, but it's important that that internal motivation uh, is there and not the external motivation, because if people outside of you are always telling you to recover, get better, you could maybe resent it or it it even postpone recovery because you need to see the value of recovery and we get it around you, but you need to see why you want to recover.
1: Yeah, and I think that's also really clear when I was speaking to a lot of people that had recovered and I was getting in touch with different people and the main message I always was asking them is how did you get better? What did you do? What was the missing? What was the turning point? And they said, Jake, it's really as simple as that, as simple as that I was at that stage where you were in and out of hospital. That's all I would do. I didn't have any friends. I didn't see any family. That's all I would do. And I think I, I think I spoke to maybe ten people, and it was always the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. It got to a point, Jake, where I was like, I don't want this anymore, and I want a different life, and I'm going to do everything possible. So unless you can really understand that um, and get to that stage, it's, it's quite difficult because, like you say. When you're seeing someone professionally and there's so much external force in terms of you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to eat, you need to do that, it's not going to be optimal. Yeah, it's going to be suboptimal. So that's why I think it's really important to work with you. Working with anyone that has any sort of theme disorder is to really try to do like, that coaching and that would have helped me so much. Definitely, that, that coach yeah. component. I, I think it's. I don't know what it's like where where you are in Amsterdam, but in Australia, there was nothing. There was nothing. There was no educational, no coaching that side sort of things. So I, I think it I depends. Uh,
0: if I may add to that, in which time you had your eating disorder? Because I started somewhere around in two thousand fourteen or something and nowadays yep. you have social media so for example people oh like, god pe- yeah. social media <laughs> like but people like us <laughs> can educate people about eating disorders but yeah. back in, the day, in 2014 i wouldn't almost not only no, think, yeah. sure. so it's very much uh i think people it maybe sounds a little bit strange but people who have an eating disorder nowadays are quite lucky to have social media to help and aid them if they seek for the pages that can help them
1: yeah and yeah, not the wrong pages yes. exactly yeah. that uh-huh. social media can be a whole other 10 no. podcasts in a row in the yeah, sense definitely. of its role.
0: But just for example, um, uh, we, we talked about this before we were recording this about what I eat in yeah. a day. Because uh, the, the main question about you know, that part of nutrition, what we're uh, discussing now, I personally yeah. think that what, an, what I eat in a day's videos for people with an eating disorder that are in a severe bad state are not beneficial at all. While if you're f- well, further in recovery, I think they could have some beneficial parts.
1: The problem that I that I find with all of those videos, it's that it's putting food in a very much in a box. So you normally find with people where they're talking about what they eat in a day and speaking about the ingredients, all of that. I think it's gonna. It, it, it poses a problem why does it pose a problem mm-hmm. because number one different people have different needs number yeah. two even with someone with an eating disorder and not an eating disorder I don't like looking at those videos because it's going to give people perception on food right yeah. so for example it doesn't even have to be eating disorder related if a diet, if an it comes on I hope we're not sponsored by any influencers today, Mm -hmm. Um, that if the influencer comes on board and say they have this amount, they have milk, this uh, you know, this amount of oats and that, what if that was someone who's lactose intolerant and then they see the influencer having this amount of milk, this amount of protein powder. And that's why I think that those sort of uh, videos, what I eat in a day, And when you're doing, like, I try to be very careful, like any on social media, I don't want to speak about, like, food quantities Mm -hmm. um, in terms of that person because I think that it just gives the wrong message. I think it should be more about food as a total um, side of things and speaking about benefits of foods, but that's the only, that's sort of my sticking point in the sense of social media's role because I don't think there is enough people out there actually explaining the sense from an eating disorder point of view, like the nutrition format, because you don't want to be. The worst thing you can do with someone with an eating disorder is try to restrict. Tried to really put food in singular ways. I think think that's
0: we have, uh, just jump in here. Very different perspective when it comes down to what I eat in a day videos. It's very funny to hear this because I feel you're more (laughs) opposed to them, and I am more, um, I think I'm more of a fan of them, but with some disclaimers. And I, okay, that's the thing, I'm gonna just jump in here. I must say, with all means, and I hope my listeners know this, I am not a foodie. I do not enjoy long hours in the kitchen i actually hate it but me too <laughs> it really is a thing that I, so I, I enjoy eating out if people are cooking for me but i do not enjoy sitting in the kitchen for long so when i look at the what i eat in a day video um i see this i see that depending on how they build it up you know what a person's yes. message is. If they're talking about macronutrients, about how many scoops they're doing, you know, stuff, I think that is triggering as hell and not needed. Yes. I want to, yes. You want to bring somebody maybe in a recipe or a recipe idea. Maybe if it was a cake, okay, you can talk about scoops. But otherwise than that, you're trying to inspire somebody for a lunch idea or a breakfast idea. I do not see the, you know, the sense for the macronutrients and scoops, unless your group is, for example, a fitness based group. The thing is is that people with eating disorders, they tend to look at that type of video for maybe fitness based groups. So there's some self responsibility here because it's self sabotaging, because they're seeking out videos that are actually not made for them. I truly believe that a content maker like that isn't busy with, okay, I'm going to put the macronutrients there so I can trigger a person with an eating disorder. So it's that self-sabotage of the person with the eating disorder, or maybe also a little bit that kick addiction to be busy with numbers and that comfort for the anxiousness on knowing what you're going to eat, that they're finding that video. But, let's say you're further on in recovery your weight was stored mm. food is going well and you're just yep. you know you don't get any kick out of it anymore by looking at it and just can kind of look at it objectively then a video like sure. that shouldn't be a problem and hopefully you sure. go from the metamedical like mathematics technical part how you look at food because most of the eating disorder peeps you know we break down food into numbers and just don't yeah. say, oh, it's tasty or should I put a little bit more salt or cream or butter? We don't look at it that way. So if we can make that shift from theoretical, you know, math, everything, how we look at food and go to, oh, I really would like to try that recipe, I think it's tasty and I'll just mm. do my stuff when it comes down to measurements, then mm. that video, you know, isn't that impactful anymore. Actually, for me, yeah. uh, when I was in recovery, I saw a slow decrease of looking at those, you know, food competition videos or what I eat in a day yeah. for myself. When I was high in my eating disorder, I would be binge watching them constantly. But at some point mm. I went down and down. A little sh- mm. note, shout out, maybe positive and negative to Eric the electric because he had an eating disorder and the food competitions actually helped them to get out of it. But then again, yeah. um, it is for a certain, you know, crew that is watching that. I do not think he's making it to, you know, trigger people with an eating disorder. But his content so, is very something that people with an eating disorder can very much feed off because they're looking at something, you know, he's eating thousands of calories of fear foods. Um, so his content actually, in my personal opinion, it can first, help. Well, now actually 50 50. It aids a lot for the people that are in a bad nutritional state. I looking to mm. that in a bad way, but then again, yeah. if they get better, it would help yeah this is a little bit That's fun. yeah
1: yeah I, I think that's the problem with that like us yeah, social media can go all different ways it can help someone it can hinder someone um the problem is social with social media is that you can access anything, so people can put out any video and you can just watch it so someone's Um, you know, perception and how that's going to Mm -hmm. change, it's going to be totally different. I just think that for what I found is that with people with eating disorders is that the less, I know this sounds kind of, you know, strange, but the less sort of nutrition content um I don't I mean, okay, so when I was saying nutrition education, I wasn't saying to just to clarify, I wasn't saying to pound someone with like endless amounts of research and papers and information because it's obviously gonna be overwhelming. Yeah. Because I think what I find with people with um is that the less is more. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be flooding people with nutrition content because already the person is thinking about food a lot especially when they're more emaciated, the body is from a physiological starving for food and it wants for you to think about all the time. But people are already preoccupied with food and that's why I don't want to put more and more content out of food. I'd rather much people with eating disorders not think about food
0: yep, and definitely. do all
1: different other things in their life. So that's where I think that just not having too much nutrition-taught content. So like when I was in my recovery, my dietitian said that she would only maximum wanted to stimulus once a week. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get more support. And she says, no, I want you to, you know, you're just going to me once a week. You're not going to think about oh, it. You my know, God. You just up. <laughs> yeah. Say so, well, yeah. again?
0: That's not good. If she just, you know, you, you're giving, um, you're actually giving, Uh, uh, discussing with her, or at least making noticeable that you want more support, was actually a very courageous step to do, and she dismisses it. That's
1: oh yeah, Yeah, it it was actually interesting because at the time I was like, how dare you? What do you mean? I want to see more. But it was actually the best thing because Mm -hmm. she was putting self confidence in me, and explained to me, Jake, I just wanted you know, we're just gonna think about. You're just going to think about food once a week. I don't want you to record. I don't want you to write down about it. I don't want you to do photos, whatever. We're just going to meet once a week. And I think that's I think a big thing for mm-hmm. nutrition is just with someone with an eating disorder already because they're preoccupied with food, and I think just to limit it as much um, as, as much exposure and visibility as that. possible
0: but then again i mean uh, jumping a little bit back on that what i eat in a day stuff uh, at the end of the day people can put out what they want to and i oh, don't i don't think unless they are specifically you know doing stuff there that actually is and they know from eating disorders and they're specifically trying to trigger that would be wrong but at the end of the day we no, are no, no. responsible on how we uh, see and view the content that is, you know, put out there. So at the end of the day, for everybody listening is when eating disorder, you are responsible on how you react on the images and the videos that you see. And when it comes down Compl- to what Jake just said, I highly believe that you all should be less busy with food and more with the reason behind it, why you are started, you know, busy with food in the first place, because there's far more going on inside of you and the easy, it sounds a little bit shitty, but focusing on food is easier than focusing on what's the problem inside or how you are maybe do not have the skills to deal with your emotions and stuff like that. So it um, actually is the the very visible coping mechanism uh, for stuff that's laying behind that or underneath that. So... Um, i do not know if you see that jake but uh i think for you it would be the same with your content we are not really food based when it comes down to our no content. no no sure not at all we're I, I think in, yeah that's not that's busy with way. what and i not, eat in a day it's not busy with uh this is uh, my, my amount of calories this is what your eating no, no, disorder no. wants you know this is what the unhealthy part of you want but we're trying to redirect you on what really is going on
1: exactly and i think it's also really um important on the recovery from a nutritional base as well is to make your life even okay you know people i had issues i had issues with food i had issues around that but i think one of the best parts that i found with my recovery was actually doing um, everything that wasn't about your anorexia that's I think what was really important is that if you can distract your mind as much as much as possible doing do productive things whether yeah. if it's doing university whether if it's doing work whether if it's seeing friends that sort of thing and not thinking about it so much it can really help um, and I think that's really important to understand and also from a nutritional point of view is that to try and make your life as Easiest as possible do productive things instead of thinking about food
0: yeah definitely and i think also again um that if they tap into that side it's your more healthier side so you need to you just gave all this room for your eating disorder for months or maybe years and you saw what it brought to you and what it did to you and nine out of ten times it's nothing beneficial so try to tap into the things that Give you a quality of life, just like you know, Jake just said it's the university, you're going to high school, it's going out with friends, it's Mm. just different things that um, make you not only sit with your disease at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, you want to be trying to, specifically in recovery, you want to be trying to do the most enjoyable things and the most fulfilling things. So even when you're, you know, in the midst of any recovery you should be always trying to do things that are enjoyable. Why that does is that when things are enjoyable, it releases a neurotransmitter serotonin, which makes us feel good. The more serotonin we have pumping through our body, the more we're going to be feeling good. If you're just sitting around um, or you're thinking about food, um, you're not doing anything, you want the body to be stimulated as much as possible. Mm-hmm. That's why happiness is really critical um, in the sense of how that does yeah. from a physiological point of view. So yes. um, yeah. I, I, think, I think also from a, when I think about it from a nutrition point of view as well, we're going back to what are the key issues with obviously with, with the gaining weight component But I think also what would be a really uh, interesting thing to understand is it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what I had in a sense from the misconceptions that I had around food but I think it's gonna be really important for me to understand moving forward is what can I what could I have done in the sense to make the nutrition healing process better and I think that's what I wanted to ask you Queenie when you're seeing people with eating disorders how do you actually sort of facilitate that process
0: as uh, if I'm saying it correctly to make that uh, their nutrition part more pres- uh, pleasurable or how do you mean or how the nutrition can work for your body
1: to heal yeah so both
0: oh okay so uh, yes uh, one of the things that I actually work with and um, this is exactly why I always tell to people that I'm not a foodie I'm not busy with clean eating Uh, I think if you would like look for me as a dietitian it's always a disclaimer that I give to my clients I tell them I'm not eating perfectly healthy I would only say I would decline that And the reason why is because I do not believe that you only eat for your body I believe that you eat for your mental health as well And you need to facilitate both So you're not eating for your body you're also eating for your mind And uh, Mm -hmm. food is connected with emotions as well So... One of the things that I actually do with my clients is give them the free card to eat everything what they want and meaning with that. And I know that we have a very um, big role in that, because the moment I say to a client, you cannot eat something or you can eat something, that is a very powerful statement because you are coming to me. You're already in a state of, you know, maybe anxiety. You just reached out for help. You're maybe nervous. And the last thing that I'm going to say, and I really hate it. If people do that in general, you cannot do something. I think that's the biggest bullshit mm. ever, uh, yeah. either is, uh, work wise, money wise or something. You can do everything what you want, but sometimes you just need to have those side wheels, AKA us, the dietitian or other health professionals to give you that, go yeah. to do so. So what I yeah. mostly do to help that quality of living is reintroducing fair foods. Because there needs Mm -hmm. to come a certain need of being comfortable with certain foods, but you undid throughout time with your eating disorder. We need to undo that bad perspective on those foods and reintroduce them again, because mostly when they are Mm -hmm. added, quality of life is added as well. So that is Mm -hmm. one part uh, when it comes down to that part of food. I think furthermore, mm. um no black and white with foods as well. So you know sometimes as a dietitian you give this generic list of this is a you know you can always eat, this is not so often and this is red or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I truly do not believe in that either. Um, no, so true. so that can be tra- uh, thrown out as well. Um yes, and um b- unless you know you have hypertension, diabetes or cholesterol stuff, but that's not mostly this the case for this group. And I no. think at the end of the day, it also is um, for nutrition, your beliefs around certain products or nutrition in general. It's something as a dietitian, you need to fish out uh, from a client. I had this in the beginning of the week because this client came to me and she said, you know, I was a year binge free and now I started binging again. And then we were talking about a restaurant she was going to and she told me that before she goes to a restaurant, she always looks up the menu. And I told her, I don't think it's crazy that after a year you're already getting binges again, because a normal healthy person, unless you have like celiac disease or something or peanut allergy, is not going to look up the menu up front. So that is your eating disorder habit. That is something you should need to work on. And then it started clicking for her and we're starting to like describe, you know, the day and she still had little eating disorder habits. And the moment that that is gone out again, nutrition wise, your quality of living is better because wouldn't it be nice that she just walks into a random restaurant and just point out what she likes and she isn't busy with the carb. She didn't look it up front. She isn't busy with the energy of it. So, a lot of things it isn't um only that part of introducing fair foods or going to a healthy weight again it is all the little sneaky habits because at the end of the day uh, eating disorder is a build-up uh project of bad habits uh, that we Mm. need to undo
1: definitely that was a fantastic answer
0: yeah it could go far more in depth but we only have three minutes left <laughs> so, I know,
1: so. <laughs> Zoom doesn't like us
0: and what would it be for you jake because you uh you yeah, love um, people as well
1: yeah i think i think for me it's the exact same philosophy that i have with you so people get very confused even with normal dietitian not normal so i mean even with um dietitians and nutritionists that are not trained with eating disorders you never ever label foods in that way you never tell someone that they can't have that to not have that unless obviously they have an underlying medical condition i think the best thing to do with someone from nutritional point from the um there's obviously two phases if someone is emaciated we have to get the weight up now once someone is weight recovered then what you need to do is obviously work with experienced nutritionists or dietitians that has a wealth of knowledge in eating disorders will be a, which will be able to build a healthy relationship with food. And exactly what you're doing, Queen. You're not trying to label anything. You're wanting to build self confidence, increase self esteem. Yeah.
0: Definitely.
1: Do not do any bad do not do any behaviors that when you your weight recovered and you can think properly, you know it's not you gotta think. Would the average person look up something at the restaurant I've got a funny story actually. So when I was in the US and I hadn't been to a restaurant for a very long time, and I was doing exposure then, and I was just—I know—I was—I looked at the menu once because I hadn't been at the restaurant for so long, and I was so panicked that I rang, I rang the restaurant and asked the ingredients and how much of the ingredients, and the chef thought I was like completely manic. So when I got to the restaurant, he said, "Did you call for this?" I said, oh, "Don't worry about it." So <laughs> the best thing is not to please no one. Call chefs. <laughs> In Mm -hmm. restaurants, asking for ingredients. But going back to the point, yes. So what you want to be able to do is always to work with the client to say, would this be a normal thing to do, or would it be not normal? If it's not normal, then let's work to not do it. Yeah. And work your way around that. Yes.
0: As the last thing, I'm going to add because of the nutrition part, and that is because it's a part of self care as well. When I start out with clients, I highly advise them to take a vitamin D, a fish oil or algae oil or, and a multivitamin. And then even when their years recovered, I still advise them to do that because it's a routine self-care that actually Ooh. taps in the fact that you want to nourish yourself and care for yourself. And if we're looking at a part of nutrition, although it's an aid; it adds to your whole nutrition that you eat daily. I t- still think it's a very important thing to do. That was a little bit of a <laughs> add-on, although it doesn't have it doesn't have the link with what you just said, but with less than like twenty seconds. It's good. <laughs> it still needed to be there. Jake, thank it's you. It's good. Jake, thank you so much for being on thank the podcast. you you. Heerlijk dit. And Jake just jumped out of the um conversation because Zoom is. 30 minutes now. Um, so again, Jake, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for the podcast episode. This was a little bit of a discussion between two professionals on how we see certain things, specifically when it comes down to people with an eating disorder and nutrition. You've seen us talking about what I eat in the days. You've seen us talking about how we would like to facilitate people in a way that helps with recovery. Uh, you've seen us talking about uh, the supplements part, uh, you see, seen us in the beginning talking about, um, if I'm saying it correctly, we had a little bit of hormone talk as well, and little add-on still to that. Uh, Jake was talking about serotonin. Serotonin is a hormone, and serotonin is specifically low when people have anorexia because of the malnutrition. So at the moment the extreme hunger starts because of the body wanting more food, actually serotonin has a his place in that as well because serotonin goes up and makes you feel more happy your body becomes more happy because there's more food going in so that was a little add-on biologically wise on how and what and i hope you learned something from this episode it was a little bit more of a discussion type so the structure was more here and there and everywhere but uh, hopefully still very beneficial um You will find the um, Jake's uh, socials in the description of this podcast episode. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. So Jake, thank you so much for being on this podcast episode. It has a little bit of a different form than we normally do because normally it's a little bit more structured. But I actually enjoyed, you know, bringing different topics to light. Like what I eat in a day, the, the way that dietitians should handle people to get their quality of life um we talked about the beginning oh you need to help me out with this one we talked about the beginning about (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) so we talked about the beginning in the sense the educational component yes that's what um from the nutrition and also what uh how what should we do how should as when someone is in the recovery process how do you facilitate the nutrition process and we Sort of wanted to mention a sense from the education but not excessive amount of education mm-hmm. um, just slow better education and also be able to enjoy your life so that yeah. you bring serotonin throughout your body to feel happier yeah a little jump so
0: in, a little jump in on the serotonin part for people who are listening to this who have like oh, an- yes. anorexia uh, serotonin is falsely reduced when you have anorexia because it's a hormone and it it needs uh, signals, it needs fat, you know it needs a lot, it needs enough food and the moment you get extreme hunger actually your ser- serotonin levels go up so you're you are maybe anxious, but your body is happy that it's getting nutrition again. And that's why often extreme hunger happens over and over again, because your body mm. is healing and the serotonin levels can heal as well. It takes quite some time to heal, by the way. Serotonin levels Definitely. Uh, really takes Definitely. months, months to get stable again. Uh, furthermore, we talked about the supplements, about how it's good still to have that post uh, recovery and during recovery. And I think we mm. could go on and on about this. At the end of the day, it's always yeah. important to eat all your macronutrients. So you need to have protein in your diet, fats, uh, fiber, uh, carbs, specifically carbs, because this community likes to throw out carbs a lot <laughs> or fats.
1: <carbs. laughs> um, I, 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 I think the main thing from a nutritional, from an eating disorder is that it has to be everything. Mm-hmm. You cannot just have protein. You cannot just have carbohydrates. You cannot have just dietary fat. You need everything. Because if you're missing out on key macronutrients, it's going to mean that you're missing out on key micronutrients.
0: As well, yeah.
1: Micronutrients are as critical as macronutrients. So it's really important when you're in a recovery phase that you're not deficient in any of the
0: Definitely, Definitely, even post-recovery. It is, and I think we can... Everything.
1: Yeah, we but can just... Even do, anyone that doesn't have an eating disorder.
0: That's why we can just throw out this lie that is built in society you cannot function without any of those macronutrients and if you're doing so it's only for short time and it's not sustainable so eventually will gain the weight back or in somehow your body can become acidic as well so the ammonia can mm. build up, uh, up if you do a ketogenic diet or low carb and so, chronic
1: inflammation
0: yeah so it is not healthy um no. Furthermore, uh, still, again, I could go on for hours and hours, but we are time-bonded with this podcast as well.
1: Um, (laughs) I
0: would like to thank you so much and would like to ask you to redirect the people to your socials.
1: Yes, so my socials are Nutrition Longevity. So if anyone's got, feel free to ask me any questions from a nutrition point of view, from an eating disorder point of view, anorexia, cancer, unable... To answer any questions that anyone has.
0: Yes. And specifically that part of cancer. That I still would like to touch up on too. If there are people listening to this. And maybe are dealing with that. I would definitely say go to Jake. Not even me. Because I maybe. I still know. I know I had somebody that was post-cancer. But not during cancer and eating disorder. So that's really Jake's specialty. So if you have any questions about that. Just definitely go to Jake for that. And I think. This was just a very good succeed episode, like something that we can check off.
1: Nice. Awesome. Perfect. Queenie, great to chat. Yes,
0: thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the I'm Stuff podcast. If you would like to know more, you can go to imstuff.nl or to the Instagram imstuff underscore com and start working on your relationship with food today.